Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' unfortunate loss in Toronto to the Leafs, plus more trade rumors, including some in Winnipeg ahead of the deadline. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, bit of a bummer to head into the weekend uh, after that one in T.O., but we soldier on and we're here to break it all down for you guys as well. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by to join me once again. Tyson, what's going on? What's happening? Sad. Just sad. <laughs> Pain. <laughs> yeah. 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 There there really is no sugarcoating it. It a loss like the, the hours after a loss to the Leafs, it does suck more than and it's funny because I don't think I know anybody that's really a fan of the Leafs actual rivals, but it feels like a loss to one of your hated rivals. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just like it it, it stings. It's it, I mean, for us, it's it's similar to losing to the Penguins. Like it just, you know, it doesn't doesn't feel right. And yeah, it sucks. Sucks that it happened to the Jets here in this one. And um, sucks too because I don't know. What did you think? Let's get right into it here. I didn't think they played all that bad. The Jets. Yeah, it was a tough. It's a weird. That was a weird game because they. I don't think they played that bad either through long stretches in that game, especially the third period. I thought they really, for the most part. I mean, the Leafs had a couple shifts where they. They they had their chances, and I mean that's because you're pushing for offense in the third period, down three goals. But I mean I don't think they played bad overall, but it was just mistakes at the wrong times in games, and it was very glaring mistakes, right? Like yeah. on the on Austin Matthews' second goal, there's Connor and Dubois are just puck watching, right? I mean you got to have a guy on one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. He's just sitting right there in the open yeah. slot, I, and on that goal too. Like I mean Hellebuck, he. By the time he's at the top of his paint, the puck's already whizzing by his ear. I mean, there's not like most. I think the Marner goal he could have had a chance on. Maybe, maybe that's one. It, it was a great shot, but it was uh, it was a little bit further out. It was a clear shot, and like you, the pass, there was no pass there either. That was the other thing on that shot. So I mean, you probably like a save there, but at the same time, you can't be turning the puck over like that. 
just right at the blue line on the on the penalty kill or on the power play. Sorry, and yeah, yeah I just it was just mistakes. Like I just that was what killed them in this game. And the the Leaf Stars put the put the Leafs on the board whenever the Jets weren't there. Yeah, you know if you're gonna make mistakes, try not to make them to Matthews and Marner. Yeah, I, I feel like that's you know if you're if you're gonna be a little bit sloppy with the puck, maybe keep it away from those two. Uh, two two unfortunate results from that game, Tice. First, the loss to the Leafs. Second, it's the end of Mark Shifley's Selkie campaign. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the. Uh, I don't know if you remember the commercial. It was it was either Nike or And One. Um, but Vince Carter was going one on one with some kid, and he goes, "You reach, I teach." And, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark Shifley reached, and then uh, Austin Matthews taught a uh, very embarrassing lesson on that play. Um, so, that, I mean, it was it was not Shifley's best game either by a long shot. That was uh, way, way too much 2021 Mark Shifley as opposed to the guy that we've seen pretty much all season long. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to harp on him the same way I did last season because I think he's shown that that's, you know, hopefully a thing of the past there. But hey, it was it was an ugly one. And it's pretty rare, too, that you say something like this. But it was an ugly game for Shifley with the puck away from his stick. Kind of normal. But uglier with the puck on his stick in this one. Like, I, yeah, yeah, he just, just, it just wasn't his night. Like, he just had a, he had an absolute howler of a game. And like you said there, that, on the on the power uh, power play that the Jets had, yeah, that's it's pee wee stuff, right? Like you can't, you you just can't make a not a soft play, but just almost like a careless pass there, right? Especially with somebody who is what I feel like one of the actually better penalty killing forwards in the NHL, Mitch Marner. Um, I'm not going to say Hellebuck needed or, or you would have liked to stop from Helly there. You know, it's it's an all star player putting it bar down from you know pretty decent uh, spot in there, so. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was similar. If you're going to look to a comparison, I thought it was similar to the Detroit game a little while back. Um, but I don't think the jets were as turnover filled and error prone as they were in that game. It's just when they made a mistake, Toronto capitalized on it. And when the jets had their chances, they didn't capitalize, but at the same time, Ilya Samsonov played his ass off. He, He was he was tremendous. That that's I don't know if the Jets got goalied, but like whatever the tiny little level below that is, that's what the Jets got from Samsonov in that game. Yeah, and you mentioned the the poor puck luck for Shifley in that one, but I, I think that was the whole line. Even like Ehlers and Barron, they had their chances for sure, and they just they just weren't able to pot any. What what do you think about the the new lines here? Like, do you think this is something that's going to stick for a little bit, or? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> now, yeah, and that that was the the big storyline heading into the game was the switch up. I mean, really, in the in the top nine as a whole, I I, I don't think I liked any of the lines. To be honest, I, I I just and it's look, it was one game too, and sometimes you, I mean you don't get instant chemistry every time you change the lines. I think the best out of the bunch was Baron Shifley Ehlers. Um, I've I've said before I I think I think Morgan Barron out of all the Jets bottom sixers maybe has the most potential to fill a top six role because he's big physical fast but he's got he's got a decent pair of mitts on him and he he played pretty good in the game I I, I thought he was all right um, it's just Shifley you know didn't have his best game and, and Ehlers was was just okay um, but they had a, a few pretty good shifts especially early on in the first period between those three. 
I thought, I thought, you know, out of all their lines, they were able to generate the most at five on five. Um, didn't, didn't like Wheeler's fit there on the, the quote unquote top line with Dubois and Connor. And we, we all, I think saw it coming from a mile away, but Lowry and Perfetti are oil and water. They just, they, they, they don't go together. I, I get Bones's thinking with, you know, sitting down the kid for not sitting him down, but just, you know, taking away a bit of responsibility from him. He's a rookie peaks and valleys in his play is expected. It's just, it's, it's not going to work between those two. And I think both of their games suffered for the switch up there. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, it's just with a guy like that skilled, like Perfetti, it's just two different focuses from those, from what Lowry and Menelainen and, and Perfetti. Like, I, I, mean, think, I think that's what it is. I think it was the fact that Menelainen was the other forward. Yeah, right. Like it's, you, just, it's a weird mix, but like if you had someone like Gagne there or, or even like a Baron or, or a Wheeler, for example, at, at least there's a little bit of offense all around there. Menelainen is just, you know, I don't want to say we're off his supposed to die, but it's it's straightforward. No flash in the game, right to the net, shovel pucks there, try and get greasy, dirty ones. And you can't I just don't think Perfetti's gonna perform with two similar type guys like that in his line. Yeah, and, and like that's been that line's mindset all year, right? Is getting the puck straight line, north, south hockey, get the pucks in, be hard on the puck, play the body. And it's just I mean, Perfetti's just not there yet. It's like he's he gets bumped around. It's just a totally different mindset for him, especially going from playing with Shifley and Wheeler, where you're kind of just an all offense line. I think it's, it's definitely, it. I'm not going to say, I don't think he can succeed in that situation, but at the same time, it's just, it's just not, not the best fit. And I think, like you said, I mean, it's one game. They're trying to mix stuff up. There was, they played a really bad game in Montreal. I mean, we saw Shifley get demoted to the fourth line. So it's just been, it's kind of the, the Eastern start of the Eastern trip right here. It's not off to a great start, but, we got a couple weaker teams coming up, so maybe we can get it a little bit of a split here and go home happy. Oh, they got one weak as hell team coming up soon, so that, <laughs> that, 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 that hopefully should equal. If you lose that one, then we're in big time trouble. Um, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in the episode. There, um, one thing I wanted to to bring up, I noticed it. Maybe maybe it sh- it stuck out more in this game than in others, but. I thought Nikolai Ehlers, especially in this one, did you did you think he looked stiff at all? I, I like there's just I I haven't seen the explosiveness come back for him just yet, and and that's I mean in, in a way it's kind of good news that he's been as impactful as he has been. You know, probably not anywhere near full strength, but like I, I wonder, you know, coming not that he came back early, but you come back from a surgery like that. And then, you know, for the first time in a while, you kind of exert your body in a big way. I, I, I wonder if he's maybe a little sore and, and stiff, you know, just trying to get his way back into it. And, you know, maybe the all-star break would be best for him more so than anybody. But I, I, I'm not going to say he looks hurt out there. I just, I just think that we don't, we don't see the same dynamic attacking force, especially on the rush that we're used to with him. Were you picking up on that or am I just reading into something else? No, I, I've definitely, I've definitely noticed that as well. And it's just, that's the thing with hernias, right? Is that it's, it's a really touch and go kind of injury. Yeah, different guys react differently to the surgeries. Their bodies react differently. Like we've, we've seen, I believe it was Brad Marchand had a hernia surgery too, right? This off season. That's why I missed the hip, the... hip of something, something around there. Right. And well, so some players respond to that quickly, but then, 
There's also some times where we saw this a couple of years ago with Claude Giroux and he had when he had some stinky seasons, right? Like he he had that one season where he was he had 63 points and everyone's like, "Oh, he's done." And well, it's just cuz your body's not reacting to the hernia surgery and it's such a key part of your body as a hockey player that if it's not responding right, then it's just tough to it's tough to get into a groove and that's what I was a little bit concerned about hearing that he was going to come back this early in January when the team was doing good. I, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I think that, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously, and he's, he's producing still too, which is kind of crazy to think that he just hasn't looked at as explosive as he has been. And he's still producing at almost a better clip than he has before. But yeah, I mean, it's, we just got to get, got to get to the all-star break healthy yeah. here. We can kind of, avoid any major injuries right before here get a nice rest for the boys yeah knock on wood get a nice hammering my hammering on my wood right now what (laughs) um but yeah knock it knock on wood people make sure make sure the bug that's been with this team all year both physical and and viral just stays away for a little bit longer here um you know and this look the jets aren't going to do it no nhl team has really so far I, I wouldn't mind taking a page out of the NBA's playbook here with a back-to-back on the weekend coming up and say, look, Nikki, we're we're gonna sit you for one of these. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just give a little bit of give a little bit of rest and, and relaxation on those joints. And then you got like you mentioned, the all-star break coming up, and then you're good to go after that. Some sometimes those back-to-backs worry me a little bit. I don't I, it's not gonna happen. Just something that I think might might be of use to the team could be a way to kind of, you know, help ease them back in. But, um, yeah, the fun part is, you know, what is, like, 75% Nikolai Ehlers right now at this point is, like, what has he got? He's on pace for 100 points so far this year, yeah. like in an 82-game season. That That's him at 70, yeah, 13 points in nine games. That That's that's him just kind of easing his way back in. Let's, you know, hopefully full strength comes right before the playoffs get underway there. Um a few other notes I want to touch on from the game there, Tice. Um, we'll we'll kind of shift away from the forwards for a little bit. I mean, there, there's one guy that we do have to touch on. He, he was one of the big stories um, out there in Montreal. And a lot of people were wondering how he'd perform in this game tonight. We'll touch on that. And then we'll also touch on a interesting Jets trade rumor that's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, this one's going to keep popping up until it either happens or doesn't happen uh, by March 1st. But before we get into all that, why not give a quick shout out here a little bit earlier on in the episode to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And why are we doing that? Well, the NFL divisional round is finally upon us. The weekend is here. Really great matchups, too. Like, there's not a stinker in the bunch. And DK is here to help you out. With an interesting little offer where you can bet just five bones and get 200 in free bets instantly. I'll explain a little bit later. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings. You can add up to 100% with each leg that you win. Tyson, anything jumping out to you in the Elite Eight of the NFL this weekend? Eagles are going to destroy the Giants, and that that's just because everyone. It's because everyone in the media is now. All the NFL pundits are going like, 
hey, the, the, the Giants look pretty good against the Vikings. Yeah, you, you want to know what the Eagles did against the Vikings? They smashed them. And they're going to smash the Giants, too. They did. That is true. And the Vikings just fired their D.C., so maybe there's something to that. I kind of like the Bengals to take down the Bills, by the way. So if you want and I mean, the spread was six and a half, five and a half. It's a crazy number. Um, so, hey, there, there's a way you can jump in on this. If you want to grab the Eagles, grab the Bengals as well, make a little bit of money heading into the latter part of February. Go ahead and do it with our friends there over at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. I do like the Niners and the Chiefs to take care of business as well, by the way, if anybody was wondering about our our, our picks there. Um, what about a little backdoor cover from the Jags? What, do you know what the spread is? I like think, seven and a half? Yeah, I think it was might have been eight. Might have been eight and a half. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm down. I like that. D- Dougie, Dougie P will keep it close. <laughs> He's going to empty out the playbook in this one. Yeah, Chiefs will be up to 28 nothing, and then we'll see yeah. a 28 <laughs> 20 game while Vegas wins. Hey, good teams win, great teams cover. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a great team. Let's hope they get it done on the point spread. I think Kansas City takes that one. Um, but let's move back to hockey here quickly. We'll touch on you know one little piece from the game against Toronto for the Jets in their 4-1 loss to the Maple Leafs. Uh, let's move to the blue line. And um, I, I let me say this first, actually, just from a Toronto perspective. Maybe one of the sneakier moves this past offseason and going back to last year's deadline, Mark Giordano's a bit of a really good get for them. Like to have him as almost a support piece, that like he's he's still good. He's still got a ton of game left. And he's That's, at what 800k? Yeah, exactly. The hometown discount. Like and not only Geo, too, Connor Timmons, like they got him for yeah. literally nothing. Like actually nothing. And he's been really good for them. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got good depth. The Leafs on defense, you know. I think there's a valid question if if Morgan Riley is good enough to be the top guy on a team that goes deep. But they've got good depth. That you know, they they might be the deepest team on the blue line, um, in the entire NHL. The Jets have good depth. I think Toronto has better. Um, but speaking of depth, Billy Hanela, it's not outrageous to say had a bit of a tough one in Montreal, <laughs> especially that. Brief stint in the second period there where it was shift, goal against, shift, goal against, shift, and then shift, goal against. Um, nobody really played good against Montreal, but, you know, unfortunately for Billy, it was a bit of a tough one for him there. But I was very intrigued to see his response in this game because I think in years past, he would have got the hook after a game like that against Montreal. But you know, Bones and, and maybe management too, you can kind of, you know, tag them both together here. They, they've, they haven't been hesitant to throw him back in there and give him a stretch of games. And while he hasn't played, you know, 30 games this year, they, they're, they're giving him a chance. They're, they're giving him some run out there. And to put him with Nate Schmidt, you know, a guy that's been really steady for the Jets all year long, I was intrigued to see what the response was going to be like. And I, I don't want to make definitive statements on somebody's career after one game or after two bad games on this road trip even 
But I just, I, I don't know, Tice. I I don't know if the kid's got what it takes to be a top four guy. I, I think he's an NHLer. I think he can certainly help out in the power play. But, you know, going up against a team like Toronto, who have a ton of skill, a ton of speed up front, and are a, a, a decent four-checking team, he just he looks hesitant out there. Like it's it's you're not you're not getting you're not getting full attack Vili Hanala. And I like I I just I don't know what it's gonna take at this point to to get that guy out of him or or if it's even there, you know what I mean? And again, I I hate to I hate I hate to just you know kind of harp on the kid a little bit, but he was he was one of the big storylines going into the game. I didn't I didn't think he covered himself in glory in this one. He was better than he was in Montreal. But, you know, there were just a number of shifts where, you know, whether it was speed to the outside, difficulty handling that, size and strength battles, wasn't winning any of those. And then just timid in terms of trying to get the offense going back the other way. And if you're not going to, you're not going to help out in those areas, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're just not going to help out this team a whole bunch. And yeah. I think it's fair to say that, you know, when Dylan Sandberg, whenever it is that he's ready to go after, after he comes back from this illness, there, there's just no doubt that Sandberg's been the better defenseman between the two this year. But again, it, it shines a light on what the the future and the potential is for for Billy, both at the NHL level and with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and you mentioned his timid timid play and getting getting the puck up ice. It's I don't know if you noticed this, but in the especially in the, towards the end of the third period, I I, I kind of thought that they were avoiding giving him the puck. Like I I'm. I, there was especially one play where uh, Schmidt went back to retrieve the puck, and Hanola kind of went behind the net. And Schmidt, like he had an easy chip to behind the net to Hanola, and he kind of made a, a higher risk play going up the boards to Shifley. I mean, maybe it might have just been a poor decision by Schmidt in the moment, but I mean, even in the offensive zone, it just seemed like guys were like, "I don't know if I can give him the puck." Like I, I honestly don't think I can give him the puck right now, and it's it's for me it's concerning because. The areas of his play that have show, that that have that he struggled with so far in his career, and more so this season, it doesn't seem like there's a, a huge improvement either. Like, I, it doesn't seem like he's it's getting better as, as the more games he gets, and you just start to get to a certain point where you know maybe he's just not. And I hate to say it, he might just not be good. Like, he just might not be that quality defender that they took in the first round that they thought they were going to get. And you're not going to hit on every first round pick, but it's just, I mean, we look at a, like you mentioned, a guy like Dylan Sandberg and he's had some rough games. He's had some rough moments, but I feel like a, a, a big highlight for me for Sandberg was a Tampa game where he really struggled in that first period against Tampa, but bones was able to keep putting him out, out there in the second and third period. And I thought he really responded nicely in those second and third periods. When Hanola makes a mistake, it kind of seems like it just tumbles and it tumbles and it gets worse. Like the Montreal game, there was a lot of shifts where he looked like a fish out of water. It was just, I mean, the Hoffman goal, he was defending a pass where there was no one to pass to. He just let him, he let Hoffman walk right in. The first Montreal goal was a terrible turnover to start that whole sequence. And then it was kind of just a cluster, you know what, after that turnover. I just, I, I don't, I don't know what you do with him. I think. At this point, he's got to be included in a trade package now before teams start to kind of realize that hey, he's, he he has this pedigree, but he might not be living up to it. Yeah, it does 
it does kind of feel like it's the beginning of the end of his his tenure here with the Jets. I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with you there. I mean, now if 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 he's not one of your when Sandberg's healthy, six best defensemen, people might scoff at this. But I mean, Logan Stanley's numbers this season have been pretty good when he's when he's gotten a chance to play too. And then you have, I mean, Declan Chisholm waiting in the wings as well. A few other guys down there with the Moose that have looked pretty good. You know, now might be the time to cash in on that if if you're going to do something and, and maybe try to make a big splash. And, and like you said, you know, teams teams will look at the first round pedigree and think, you know, in our environment we can change him. So I think there's still value for him to be had league wide here. It's just rough, rough start to this road trip here, and he's he's had good games for the team, games where you think he might be a guy, but uh, they're few and far between. And I think we've just seen too many nights like this where. And I, I can almost live with it if he was bringing the offense and there's these defensive miscues, right? Like th- that to me is one thing, but we're not seeing the offense either. Like that that's that's what you're supposed to do, like be an offensive guy. If you don't have that, then there's there's nothing that is, is bringing value to the team right now. So so that's that's the thing for me. And that's what I people always say with youngsters, you know, they, they got to worry about defense, worry about this. No, if you're an offensive guy, bring the offense. We'll worry about the other stuff later. But if you can't bring what you were supposed to, then what are we doing? Yeah, and and to think coming into the season too, he would uh, you hear his agent's comments and you think, man, this guy's one of the, this guy's one of the most confident guys in the room. He thinks that he's made one of these top six NHL defenders replaceable, and he's just he hasn't proven. You can't go out making those kinds of statements, and then that's the kind of play you show the team. I just I think that I don't. I don't want to, I mean, we don't know what's happening inside the room, but I, I just, I don't know what's going on with, with Vili in this organization right now. I don't, and I will say this, I don't really put, put any blame on the organization at all. No, not this year. I think in years past, really the, the lockout shortened year when he was yeah. in the press box forever, that was on the, that was on the team. They, they messed that one up, but this season in particular, I, I think they've given him a long rope. I think they've given him a lot of opportunity, and he, he just hasn't he hasn't taken it yet. And, and we've seen Dylan Sandberg have those opportunities and, and play much, much better if you're comparing just those two players together there. Sure, there's some bets that have struggled, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just I know everybody gets on Neil Pionk, and he hasn't been very good this year, but we we must be watching two different games out there if you think that Billy for Pionk is going to be an improvement. on Like, it's just... It, it, it's not right now. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes here. We'll see what happens and what the lineup changes are going to be heading into a back-to-back here for the Jets. But, um, yeah, I, I, I personally think that the clock is ticking and time is running out on, on Billy to make an impression to stay up with the big club long-term here. Um, we'll see if that's before the deadline or after that when it comes. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do think we're starting to see the beginning of the end of number 14 here with the Jets. Um, speaking of the deadline... That's kind of where we'll wrap up this episode here. And we, we've touched on this a little bit, Tyson. But it's picking up a little bit of steam. And I, I look, it's I think you said it. It's not going away. It's not going away until either he's coming here or he goes somewhere else or he stays over there. Um, but we got some intriguing information on the Jonathan Taves to Winnipeg front. Uh, Elliot Friedman. I mean, it sounds like the reports are that there is definitely interest from Tave's side to come to Winnipeg and at least a sliver of interest from from Winnipeg and bringing the local boy back home. 
But we got our first sense of what the ask is going to be, reportedly. And that's always been the big one with this, right? Because it's a big salary coming back the other way. And there might not be all that many teams that are going to be in the running even to bring a Jonathan Taves over, let alone have the cap space to do so. But let's talk about the offer, Tyson, according to Elliot Friedman. A second and a third round pick. Not a first, but a second and a third round pick for Jonathan Taves. If you are GM Kevin Cheveldayoff, and it's a take it or leave a moment, is this an offer he can't refuse? Or do you say, thanks but no thanks, we'll take our business elsewhere? If it's included that Taves' contract is being retained at 50%, that's I, yeah. That I think that's the only way any trade happens. So I, I, I honestly, I do the deal today. I, I get it done right. I get it done as soon as possible. I, I honestly think that. I think, especially with some of the prices that we're hearing on some other players, I think if you can set the market early and get a guy like Jonathan Taves, and that's a reasonable price for the kind of championship pedigree that he's going to carry, the the intangibles that he's going to bring to this team. And he's having a good season. He's out. He's on pace for a 50-point season. He's on pace for 24 goals. I'd, I'd totally take him in this bottom six, top six even. And the one thing that he's going to help a ton on, too, is in the face-off dot, right? Ding, like, ding, ding. Like that's, that's, it's kind of been a little bit of a soft spot for the Jets this season. So getting a guy like Taves, I think I do it right away. I do it right away before someone else makes a trade and maybe Taves' price goes up a little bit. I'd... I, I'm all for being proactive and getting the deals done as quickly as possible. That is, yeah, I think that is definitely the preferred option. Um, you know, if, if if it's available to you, sometimes that's not the case. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I mean, yeah, you'd like him here, you know, next week as opposed to a month and a half from now. Um, just taking a look at things, the Jets don't have a second-round pick this year, they have their thirds locked up for a while, so there'd have to be a little bit of finagling in terms of what year the pick goes to and all that. I I kind of have two caveats with a Taves trade. The main one being, and, and this is really the only reason I would be hesitant to potentially go after him, is that I, I still think there's a major hole on this team in terms of the second pair behind Josh Morrissey. And if a Taves trade precludes you from getting that guy, then I would pump the brakes on that. I, I, I think there's a bigger need right now. For example, I think, I think the Jets would be better suited pushing a ton of assets to get into high-end blue liner, slotting them in on the second pair, and then you have Morrissey and Defenseman X out there on the ice for, you know, 50 minutes of a 60-minute playoff game. I think there's a lot more value in that for the team. And then go bargain shopping for a forward. I mean, There's always a forward or two that you can get on the cheap at the trade deadline that can fit into the middle six somewhere. Maybe, not, I mean, not what the pedigree Taves has, but maybe he has some some playoff experience and things like that. So that's that's the one thing is that, like, to me, goal number one is the blue line first and foremost, and then we attack... Um, the forward mix that you have up front. Um, then, you know, if, 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 that, if that isn't the case and you're able to grab him and, and you know, maybe make a bit of a run for, for this year at the very least, and then we'll see what happens after that, um, then, then I, I, I probably make the move. Because, I mean, he, he can still play right now. That's kind of the main thing. You know, this isn't 
this isn't Duncan Keith going to the Oilers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's still a ton of actual value he's going to provide to the team. He's on pace for exactly 50 points this year. Plays 18 minutes a night. So there, there's certainly a spot for him inside the middle six for the Jets. But there's no denying that what he would bring in tangibles-wise is, is almost worth the investment itself, right? And and people are going to point to and say, man, like, wouldn't he be such a good influence on Perfetti and and these young, you know, rookies? No, I, I think it's anyone under 30. <laughs> like, seriously, you're telling me Mark Scheifele wouldn't, wouldn't gain some advantages by playing and, and learning what some of what Jonathan Taves has to offer? Um, Dubois? Like you're, you're telling me PLD wouldn't be able to pick up a little bit of that. And then Ehlers, Connor go up and down the list there. Blue liners too. Like I, I, I think there's just so much value in, in grabbing somebody like that. And then, like you said, the face-off problem gets fixed to a degree at the very least. And all of a sudden your mix in that top nine is really, really potent. And you get a ton of options. There's a lot of versatility as well. You know, Shifley, we know he can play out there on the wing if need be. I'm sure Taves can do the same. If you want Shifley down the middle as well, you get an extra penalty killer up on top of it as well. There, there's. I, I don't think there's a lot of downsides to me in this deal. The only downside for me is just, is it going to stop you from maybe making a splash on the back end? And that's not really a Taves issue per se, but if we're looking at the trade specifically in a vacuum, I got to think, I got to think 75% of Jets fans would be okay with that ask. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, yeah, I agree with you 100% that a defense is the number one option, but I, I just think that adding a guy like Taves, you get it done and you figure it out from there. I think that's kind of like, I mean, either way, you're going to have to make some moves if you want to get both those guys. And I think the way the season's going, I think the Jets should make these moves to get acquire some two high-impact guys like Taves and whoever would it would be on the back end. I think it's I think it's important to go all in the, all in this year. I think this is a really important year for the franchise and knowing we all we know how loyal True North is and everything. You're telling me that Jonathan Taves wouldn't be resigning in Winnipeg if he gets traded here like that's wow. the other I think. Nicely, what I, I mean, I was just going to say we were just talking about Mark Giordano and you know, I know Johnny Taves is coming off a 10 million dollar cap hit. I mean, you want to help the boys out and make 900k, and you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe the club will chip in and toss in a cabin at Lake of the Woods for you. On top of that, like I, I don't know, I, I, I think that, that's certainly a possibility too. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think, and and for me, the most comforting thing has been that surprisingly, management has not shied away from the fact that they know this is a, an important year, right? Like they. Chevy, a lot of the times, will do a pretty good job at keeping it close to the vest. But I think this year, more than any, he's like, yeah, we're probably going big time at the deadline here. <laughs> like, without saying it, without necessarily saying it. But it's like, yeah, you, we, might not, we not, might not be making a pick too early in the upcoming draft. But it's all going to be worth it, hopefully, by the end of it. So, that that's, yeah, I mean, it, this... This is always fascinating to me because there's so many different dominoes that have to fall. Like you mentioned, the timing. Do you go after Taves first? But if you do that, then does that stop you from doing this a little bit later on? Do you maybe wait on this closer to the deadline because somebody else might pop up as well? Um, a la Paul Stasny a few years back with St. Louis. Like so many moving parts here. There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer on this just yet, but it does feel like the stars are starting to align on 
the hometown boy, really the first hometown boy, truly suiting up for the club and making a major impact. Yeah, and the other other reason I think that being aggressive would be good is I want to see Colorado, I want to see Minnesota, and I want to see Dallas get a little bit desperate. I I want the Jets to make a move, and then all of a sudden Colorado's sitting there like, hey, we got a pretty good pretty big hole here at our second line center. Like we got to figure something out. And then that's where, that's where teams make panic moves and that's where they ruin, they lose pieces to their future that they could use. So I think, I think there's some, uh, some advantages to being aggressive and being the first team in the division to make a trade. I don't think I want to see Colorado get desperate. (laughs) That's terrifying. (laughs) Oh, we better get a second line center. Wham. Uh Oh, they're good again. That's, that's a problem. That, and that's a scary thing, too. Like, if the Jets finish one or two, where does Colorado finish, you know, when everything's said and done? That would be just the Jets' luck this year to finish with the top seed and then draw the wild card avalanche in round one. Um, that's a problem to worry about in the future, though. I mean, oh, we, sorry, we, sorry yeah, just what I just a point on the Leafs, uh, Leafs Jets game that I forgot to mention. This, this, this is a classic game that shows why Bettman doesn't actually pay attention to the NHL. Because he goes up on his press conference early, late December, early January. We need more division games to create rivalries. We need to we need to get more of these division rivals going. Jets and Leafs, like the, it wasn't the Jets' night, but you can't deny that that was high level. Those were two high level teams playing tonight, and you could just you can feel the intensity on the ice, and that's just like. That's what you need more of. You want you want the rival rivalries to build naturally instead of just this force cramming Jets Dallas here have more have more like yeah. I, these are the games I want to watch. I don't want to watch. I don't. I don't care about a Jets Blackhawks rivalry. You want you want to watch the best players go up against the best players. The the NBA gets it. The the NHL hasn't and likely won't get it anytime soon. So uh, yeah, get 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 ex- yeah like you said, get excited for Jets. Jets Chicago and then Jets Houston for the next. Oh, well, we'll, we'll see about that. But I, I'm with you there, Tice. I, I like I like variety. Um, it's not it's not like the NFL where where divisional battles like legitimately matter matter. So it's, it's a bit of a different animal when it comes to the NHL. But oh well, we'll worry about that later on. Um, hopefully, it doesn't mean that we see Jets Avalanche in round one. But again, a problem for future us to worry about. In the meantime. We'll, uh, we'll worry about a, a busy weekend for the Jets uh, coming up here uh, out on the road as they continue their five-game road trip. But that's going to do it for today's episode. We'll wrap it up there. Would love to know your thoughts, by the way, on a potential Taves to Winnipeg move. Let us know at Twitter, on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewicki, at SkatesPlatesPod, and at Tyson Rewicki. Very good. Good job remembering. (laughs) Um, We'll get back at it next week. Like I said, busy one for the Jets this weekend. A back-to-back starts off tough, ends off nice and easy. A matchup against the Red Wings on Saturday. And then two points just waiting to be had in Philadelphia on a Sunday where nobody will care because the entire city will be wasted after Eagles-Giants the night before. So we'll break down those two games for you guys and then get ready for the week to come for the Winnipeg Jets as they cap off their five-game road trip later on. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, here once again with CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. 
We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Until then, stay safe and enjoy the weekend, everybody. Peace.